0: Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 15 is our focus, and we uh, kind of laid a foundation over the last two weeks, all ties together actually coming in from chapter 3, and as I laid it out last week on your outline there, you see seven marks of a mature minister Um, As I look at this, uh, I don't think it's the best of seven. Uh, When you see men and women use mightily of God, you will see that their character, their nature is made up of this. And it um, goes for all generations. So we will pray, then read the word of the Lord. And we will look at this man, Paul, a true preacher and minister. Father, you are holy. and There's none beside you. And yet, Father, you have taken these clay vessels and have used them beyond our imagination. Father, I would ask, and I beseech your throne on behalf of the church, that she would walk worthy. That she would walk... And the power that spoke existence into being. And that, Father, her focus would be Christ and his righteousness, his kingdom. Help us, Lord, as we look at our brother Paul who went before us to be imitators of him as he is of Christ. Help us bow our knees, dying to self, that we consider others more important than ourselves your glory and to your praise in Christ's name, amen. Beginning in verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed always carrying around in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed Therefore I spoke, we also believe, therefore we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Okay, one of the hard things about scriptures at times is when they throw chapters and verses in. Okay, because there's times that they'll throw a chapter or a verse change, and I don't think they're full, fully following through the thought. Because when he makes the statement there in seven, this treasure in earthen vessels, he's contrasting something. Okay, and so what we have to find out is what is the treasure? Well, the treasure starts all the way back. Who is adequate as servants of the new covenant? That's the treasure. Because when I look at this text, and I look at it in the context of Second Corinthians, I'm looking at this is ministry. If you are saved, you are a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please hear me. That's non-negotiable. Now, you may want to sit on the sidelines. You may not want to be involved, but it still doesn't make it not true. You can ask Ananias and Sapphira when you see them. How did they like it? Because they wanted to do it their own way. And, and when I, I look at King David even. King David, God said, I would have done even more. And I'm sitting there going, dude, he wrote the book of Psalms. But I, I just go through this and I watch the church at times. And, it, you know, I can sit here and say all the gimmicks and the cleverness and the techniques that are going on in the church and how they drive me nuts, but I look at the church as a whole, and it's like the pastors have run out of options. We tried prayer. We tried Bible studies. We tried proclamation, and nobody done anything. I know a pastor, a conservative evangelical pastor, who believes in the authority of Scripture as I do, and yet he teaches his people they can lose their salvation. And I asked him about it. I said, I know you. You don't believe that. And he says, no. Why do you say that? He says, it keeps him motivated. Okay, but it's, it's yeah, I can understand what his thinking process is, but it still doesn't make it right. still doesn't make it right. When I look at a true preacher, a true minister of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, they have come to the realization that they are earthen vessels, clay pots. And it is obvious, so obvious to the true preacher, to the true minister, because it is evident by their weakness, by their weakness. See, we are slaves to Jesus Christ. You understand that, right? Some of you got that book. Some of you burned that book. But that's all right. But we are slaves. Do you understand that the slave doesn't tell the owner what they're going to do? Because... If I look at this text, then I understand emphatically the reason that Paul was so amazing was look at his weakness. A little Jewish man, scarred, beaten, eye problems. How in the world could God use that? The Galatians said it was a trial just to look at him. How in the world are you... Get that gospel. How do you keep the people's attention? Preach at night. One of the things that I have noticed in the body of Christ is that looking into the face of Jesus, the only outcome is humility. And until that is dealt with, you will never be an effective minister for the Lord Jesus Christ. Never happen, because it's you doing it and God don't share his glory. Verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. Not of ourselves. It's from God. And yet it's, there's a paradox here. It's not of ourselves. You have this priceless treasure in a clay pot, baked dirt, and yet this priceless treasure is in it. What is this priceless treasure? It is God who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That is the new covenant. That is what you call the gospel. I see people saying, Well, I need to study the Old Testament. When you get the new one mastered, go ahead. There's nothing wrong with the Old Testament. But I am a new covenant preacher. I am a new covenant minister. If you are saved this day, you are a new Covenant person. There is good stuff in the Old Testament, please. I'm, I'm not discounting the Old But you know what? Why would I hang out with the pictures? Why would I hang out with the types when I can look into the face of Jesus and see the glory of God completely revealed? I don't need the pictures. I mean, it's fun. I say, hey, did you see that picture right there? This is what it really looks like. I remember reading Charles Spurgeon. And he says, the Old Testament is like the most eloquent mansion that you could ever imagine in your life. In such detail, you can't even get your head around it. And the New Testament comes in and turns all the lights on so you see the exact detail. And yet I see people who are not interested in the new covenant revelation of the majesty of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. They're missing the glory of the creator because they're hanging out in the types and the shadows. He who created time, I see in detail in the person of Jesus Christ. God is seen in Jesus. God came in Christ that is priceless. And yet you contrast that, and it's in a clay pot. Baked dirt. This clay pot, this earthen vessel, carries and proclaims the good news that Jesus is God. And all the nature and the attributes of God are manifested in the person of Jesus Christ. And the longer you look into the face of Jesus Christ, you will be transformed to start bringing forth the nature and the character of He who created time. Priceless. Every preacher, every minister must have this perspective or they are of no value. They're useless. Because if they don't have that value, then it will be about them. We were talking this morning in our Sunday school class on pride. There's times that arrogance just stands out and you can't miss it. But that's not the one you have to worry about. It's the one who says, I will do it in my time. I will do it in my way. I will do it on my technique. I will do it on my cleverness. I believe that this is what made the Apostle Paul so great. If you move over just a couple of chapters to chapter 10, verse 12. It's a fascinating statement. We'll deal with it more in the future. But 10, 12, for we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. But when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're without understanding. Paul says, you know what? I don't compare to anybody. I don't compare to anybody. But the false, if you look at false, they're always got some kind of ranking. I don't understand that. You know, well, I'm going to compare to such and such or I'll compare to such. Have you written a book? The other day we had a prayer meeting and everybody was talking about writing books. And I told them, they said, "Well, have you ever been published?" I said, "Just a coloring book. you know i I have a book. I don't need to publish a book. I don't understand this thing, and yet we rank and it, and and what they rank, they want to look at their speaking abilities. How, how many baptisms have you had? How big is your church? You know, I remember these guys all sitting in their humility. One time we were down at a conference in uh, New Mexico. And in all their humility, they said, Well, you need to understand that I'm a very small church. You know, I've labored for years and we've only got 500 members. Well, dude, if you're a small church, that makes me a microdot. but you listen to them and that's what they're about. Why? I'm trying to rank. I'm trying to compare and I'll compare myself to myself. Why? It's just easier. It's just easier. You see the ranking on their natural skills and on their natural talents. And you know what Paul says? I don't get into that. Why? I'm baked dirt. (laughs) What kind of talents does baked dirt have? Paul's not interested in those who compare themselves to themselves. They measure selves by themselves. They compare with others that are of their same ilk. Compared to their... You know, I always... You guys know, heard of Adrian Rogers? Have you ever heard him? Dude, is that what God's voice sounds like? I mean, you just sit there. I remember Dr. Olford, he sit there and he says, anything to have that voice. <laughs> and it's like... I met Adrian one time at a, at, when I was in Memphis, and I was kind of shocked. You know, I'd seen him on TV before, but he's about this high on me. And I'm sitting there going, how in the world does that come out of that? I either figured he's like seven foot tall, 300 pounds, and I speak forth. And I started going, oh, how sure short he is. And I, I just, that was the amazing thing to me. I was like, how in the world do you get that big, deep, booming voice out of that little bitty package? Paul wasn't interested in comparison. He actually makes a statement here he says, they're without understanding. <laughs> I'm without understanding. If you look at verse 13, chapter 10. But we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure to reach even as far as you. Okay, what Paul just said here is what my ministry is, is exactly what God has given me. I haven't done anything clever to add to it. I haven't done anything technical to take away from it. I haven't done anything like that. In my sphere of influence, this is what God has done. Oh, by the way, did I tell you that it was God who used this clay pot to reach you in Corinth? I like that. I like that. And and yet the same spirit that's in the apostle Paul is the same one that's in me and you. Verse seventeen. But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord. It's to boast in the Lord. Who commends us? This is the Lord's ministry. Whatever you do for the Lord, it is by His pure mercy and grace that you have the privilege of doing it. And the Apostle Paul understood that. He says, because the treasure is beyond your understanding and price. And you're just an earthen vessel that contains that treasure. The Lord is the one who had commended Paul. And by the way, it was not based on his looks. It was not based on his speech. But it was based on a man who said, you know what? I am but an earthen vessel. I am but an earthen vessel verse 7. The more feeble the vessel, the more evident of the power of God. It's, you know, I think about myself in this. I am not a people person. I am not I am one of the most content people to be off by myself, lock me up in my shop or anywhere I can be by myself, leave me alone, turn the phone off, and you know what? I am happy as clams. And why in the world would you use a person who doesn't want to be around people to be a person to reach people? God, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard, Lord. But that's what he did. And the sphere of my influence is what God has designed. Same thing with the Apostle Paul. Because you know what? I realize I don't bring nothing. I don't have a great speaking ability. I don't like this. My hands are even sweating now. They have for years. This is the most uncomfortable thing I can do. I have spoken these large churches in the past and thank God I couldn't see all the people. The lightings of the congregations were you could see the first row and I was like, well, it's just a little bigger than our church, but there was 8000 people in front of me, but I couldn't see them, And I was grateful. I was grateful. That's the kind of stuff that don't make sense to me. Why? Because if anybody comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through me. Yeah. How powerful is our God? And yet I know people right now who say, well, if I educate myself on this, if I do this, if I do that, you know, and I just don't understand this. I've watched people who get mad and say, well, you know, I was going to do your Bible study. Only one person showed up. So I just canceled it. Dude, God gave you one soul to invest in. You are truly blessed among men. I remember coming to churches on Sunday night. Nobody would show up. And you know what I learned? God was taking the time to prepare for that Sunday night so that I would grow in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and I could look more into His face and realize, you know what? It ain't about me. It ain't about me. The Apostle Paul is the same way. I look at Paul and I say, you know what? He understands. I'm a clay pot. I am baked dirt. That's it. We have this treasure, the New Testament, this gospel. We have this ministry. We have the same treasure, and that treasure is the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And we have it. And it's in an old pot. The eternal God came into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. He died, he rose again, and he provides forgiveness. And for that forgiveness, you get eternal life. What do you price tag do you put on that? That's the treasure. God shining in Christ. The fullness of God in bodily form. That's the New Testament. Life, power, glory. That's a treasure. I have been freed of condemnation. I have been freed from the power of sin. Not from the presence of sin, but from the power of sin. I have been, as I keep looking longingly into the face of Jesus Christ, I literally will be transformed the nature and the character of God my Father and Jesus my Savior. This treasure delivers mankind from the power of the God of this world. This treasure pulls back the veil. So you look into the Holy of Holies. This treasure overcomes the power of death This treasure makes us partakers of the eternal life. Now let me tell you something. Those effects right now are far beyond any human ability. They are far beyond any human skill. They are far beyond any human power. But the only time that you can see it work is when you realize how weak you are as a vessel. Dr. Zodiacis called it, Homely. Homely baked dirt. Am I helping everybody's ego? This priceless treasure. And it's in a baked clay. Baked hard. Jug. Paul says that's what I am. All the accusations that he's not strong in speech. and I mean, just look at him. He's contemptible. And Paul says, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> sure enough. Astrakinos. Astrakinos. Earthen vessel. It is very common in the time of the writing of the New Testament. Pots. cheap. Breakable. Very fragile. But. They're replaceable. They have really. No value. As Dr. Zodiades called them. They're homely. Then they serve many purposes. Sometimes they were used. As a vault. Okay. You could put. You couldn't go to a bank. So if you had some valuables, you'd put it in an old clay pot, seal the end of it with wax, and you go dig a ditch someplace, put it down in there, and cover it over with dirt. Probably in Matthew 13, the man plowing the field who come upon a broken clay pot that had a very valuable treasure inside. It was also used to store documents. The Dead Sea Scrolls, Stuck in a cave in clay pots. They're also used (laughs) kinda like my buckets in my shop. Okay? You just don't know what I'll throw in that thing. It can be old used motor oil, old motor oil filters, busted spark plugs. Whatever, it just it's a shop bucket. When you think about the writing of this time, there is no sewage system, and it was used very often to be human waste and garbage. Because see, you could take it out, and it wasn't like once you got it full, you was going to wash it clean again. You could take it out back and chuck it over the hill. I've got several buckets that I use to drain fluids out of motorcycles. You know what? I take it, get it recycled, the fluids recycled. And you know what? I don't ever clean the inside of the bucket. I'm not interested in cleaning the bucket. Why? Because I'm going to throw some more junk in it. And junk doesn't care if it's dirty or not. I'll show you a text and I want you to think about this for a second. 2 Timothy, chapter 2. 2 Timothy is dealing with discipleship. This is what you're going to be in for, Timothy. And he says there, chapter 2, verse 20. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but there are also vessels of wood and of clay pots. Clay pots. And some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, they will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Okay? So you in this house, you have vessels of honor, you have vessels of dishonor. And Paul uses the same terminology, this earthenware. This earthenware. Wooden. Earthenware. Baked dirt. Dishonor used for dishonorable purposes. They didn't have scrolls in them. They don't have jewels in them. They don't have gold in them. Their use is distasteful, common, even to the point of disgusting, not fit to be noble. Common, humble pots. That are there for the dirty purposes of life. That's what Paul is saying. He is not reaching to elevate this pot. He's not even even reaching to elevate the pot's use. I always reflect back on Balaam's donkey. That's a step up for some. We're nothing but clay pots. And you know what they are used for. They're not honorable. Listen, I want you to think about this because when I, I start dealing with a text on humble. Okay. I can honestly tell you that every one of you will fight with this until the day you see him face to face. Guaranteed. I I'll tell you how easy it is. Anybody ever been angry? Do you know why you get angry? It's out of pure humility, isn't it? There's only one reason you get angry. Because I'm so important, you made my plans go down the toilet and you don't understand how important I am. It's the same thing. Have you ever made a plan for the day for no apparent reason? You know, I plan on doing this and this and this and it all just goes, boy! Okay? And all of a sudden you find yourself pacing and impatient and anxious. and all. Why? Because I had these plans and this. You know what causes that? Overwhelming humility. What are you, out of your minds? I can tell you this. Humility cannot exist in the presence of pride. You can't have about 50-50. Humility will not be there where there's pride. And the reason the Apostle Paul, a little homely Jewish man, could be used so mightily by God is because of what? He knew he couldn't do it. He knew he had absolute... And that's amazing. This is a scholar, people. He was from Tarsus. Tarsus is one of the few places on the planet that had a university. He probably went to the university. He studied under the Pharisees, some of the greatest Pharisaical teachers you could have ever gotten under. This guy isn't an idiot. And yet, through all of that, he understood, man, I am nothing but a baked clay jug only value these clay pots have is the service performed okay if they didn't perform the service they have no value I mean, think about that for a second. If you've got a clay pot with human waste in it, it is of value because it's going to be removing the human waste. But it has no value if it ain't doing what it's serving. The same thing with every one of us, brothers and sisters. Every one of us is a minister of Jesus Christ. Are you performing the service? How Paul viewed himself. Listen, if these have no value, they have no worth, they're expendable, and they're easy to replace because they're a dime a dozen. And that's how Paul viewed himself. And you have to ask yourself today does the evangelical church view itself that way? Paul says, you know what? Go ahead. You can say whatever you want. You can accuse me. That's fine. You can mock me. That's fine. You can say that my speech isn't that powerful. That's fine. Go ahead. You know why? It's all true. I mean, what do you expect from a garbage bucket? That's all we really are. Paul says, you know what? I'm the chief of sinners. I persecuted the church. I'm worthless. I'm useless. And you know what? There's too many in the church today who think they are of value. They think they're important. Let me tell you, I have been in this church long enough to see them come and see them go. All kinds of people come in, all kinds of promises, and all kinds of. I'm going to, and we're going to, and. and As soon as I hear it come out of their mouths, all I can say is another one bites the dust. Because you know what? We're just a bunch of clay pots. And we get ourselves in trouble when we think we're not. Paul says, I'm worthless. I'm useless. If it wasn't for what I contained, I have no value. I'll take you back a little ways. You'll remember this from a few years ago. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 20 to 27. Kind of fits in this really well, actually. Paul says, where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. I mean, if you really think about what he just argued there, you look at what God has made in the wisdom of the age, says there ain't no God. Huh? <laughs> Paul says, where's the wise man? Where's the scribe? Where is the talented, knowledgeable people? Earthen vessels that are great of honor. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews asked for signs. Greeks searched for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews' stumbling block, to the Gentiles' foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Consider your calling, brethren, that you are not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. That's the clay pots. Look at what we do in churches today. Tell me this is wrong. Before Dr. Zodiates stepped into glory, I really enjoyed spending time with him because he had a character flaw like I do. He loves history and I love history. And he said in his study of the church in its history, never has he seen her this haughty. OK, in case you don't know what haughty means, it's not a good thing. And I look at the church today and she is. That's exactly what it is. And I'm trying to figure out how does the garbage bucket think it's something special? Because the Apostle Paul was used beyond my understanding. I can't even grasp what Paul did. And he understood that he was... A garbage bucket. I watched the church today. There's many who could be used mightily by God, but they don't realize that they're just baked dirt. And I don't understand how any pride can exist in a Christian. But yet it does. Yet it does. And you know what? It It is hard to teach on humility. I don't care who you are. Because as soon as you say, I want to teach on humility, everybody starts thinking about somebody else who needs to hear this message. Some and such needs to be here for this one. Okay? And you know what? God said, no, you need to be here to hear this one. And I'm just part one. Okay? So let's go forth. Put a big smile on our face and say, Hey, look at me. I'm a garbage bucket. <laughs> Serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll all feel better. Let's pray. Father, I praise you for my brother Paul and the things that you have shown me. I still stand in awe. Lord, I just ask that be your spirit working in us. that we understand that we are just Earthen vessels, Lord. The precious treasure inside. Thank you, Lord, for the treasure. The knowledge, the glory of God. And the person of Jesus. Thank you for giving that to us. Father, may we be found faithful, walking worthy to your glory and praise. Amen.